Vacation Bible School. It's amazing all the things that have already been done. I hope you take a tour uh, back here in the children's department, all the different things that have gone on. So many hours of work have been put into it. And uh, it is a, it's probably one of the most important weeks of our church. We really get to share the gospel with a lot of people in our community and reach families for Jesus. So you um, want to participate. I'm not asking, I'm telling you. You really want to participate. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to challenge you today. I put on the front here some door hangers. Now, there's just a few left. There's some more around the church. But I'm going to challenge you to take one, maybe two, three. Go into your neighborhood. Here's what I did when I went. I, I did this yesterday. I just looked for swing sets and bicycles in the yard, that kind of thing. And just put the door hanger on the door. You don't have to knock on the door. You don't have to say anything. Just put the door hanger on the door and then run away. No. Uh, if they see you, you know, speak to them, talk to them, of course. But it's, it's going to be very exciting, and you will want to be a part of it. You'll want to be able to say, you know, I had something to do with that. So grab you some door hangers, go out there this afternoon, and, and put them out there for Jesus. Uh, this morning, I want to build on our message from last week, so I hope you have your pennies. I want you to get them out and have them. Oh, I'm just kidding. You don't need to get your pennies out. Uh, that was a, a message from last week. We were talking about how big God is. And when you look at that penny and you remember how little your problem is compared to how big God is, then I want to build on that this morning, and I want to talk to you about one of the biggest problems that we have in our world today, and that is worry. Worry. Actually, I'm going to talk about panic and worry. They're very close uh, in, in what they are. The only difference is in their timing. Panic always comes first, followed by worry. Sometimes panic happens when you have a deadline. Whether it be at work, it could be in the, in the house, a bill is due, that kind of thing. Many Americans have panic seasonally. Uh, we have it around Christmas, around the holidays, around times of birthdays, because so much has to get done for that holiday. Sometimes it happens to parents when their children are off doing something, especially in the summer. They've gone to camp, they've gone to the pool, whatever, and then you hear that something has happened in that general area, and then, of course, you worry about your kids. I, I remember the first time my oldest daughter got into the car, and I think three of the kids were in the car with her, and they drove off. First of all, that was sad enough. Fifteen minutes later, you know what I heard? A siren. Oh, no, they've been in an accident, you know? We worry, don't we? We panic. Things like that happen all the time. Sometimes panic is a result of stress. In a typical day, maybe something goes wrong with you. Um, you. You get up in the morning, you have an argument with your spouse, and then you get to work and have an argument with your boss or a coworker. And then uh, you get a call from the school, there's a problem with the kids. Add to that your own health fears and, and problems that you're having. And all of this builds up. It just keeps building up and building up. And it, 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 it's like there's a volcano inside of you and the next thing 
that happens, you realize that you, you can't find the shirt that you wanted to wear. It's in the hamper. I really wanted to wear that shirt, and that makes you mad. Or you can't find the tie you wanted to wear. Your, your child or your boss or your friend, they say just one more little thing under their breath, and you explode. That, 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 that worry, that problem, all those things, it just comes out of you. And you spew this toxic stuff all over who? The people closest to you. Usually, your own family. And now you've hurt them. But yet, you've also hurt yourself. Because you know you're a Christian, and you cannot believe that you reacted in such a way to such a little thing because it was that tie or that shirt or whatever. These pressures can cause anger, depression, worry, fear, panic. So we as Christians, we need to learn how to disarm that volcano that is inside of us. And listen, panic is no respecter of person. It can happen to the wealthy, the prominent, the professional, the successful, the intellectual, and the powerful. It can happen to men and women, to doctors, to lawyers, to grandparents, to pastors, to everyone. Another common cause of panic are other people, certain people. Don't you have that certain person in your life that knows how to push your buttons? Boy, they, they just know the thing to say or the, or the way to treat you or something like that. Some people use threats. They use fear. They use intimidation. And they, they're trying to upset you, manipulate you. People in this world use lies and half-truths and inaccurate information. And not just Fox News and MSNBC and CNN. I'm talking about friends and neighbors. They create fear. They create panic. Christian, it is absolutely vital that we remember what the Word of God teaches us. The Word of God tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. We need to remember the promise of Romans 8.31 where God said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? So we're going to learn this morning, what do we do when we start to feel panicky? And panic is, is defined as a sudden, overwhelming, overpowering terror often affecting a person all at once. How are we going to control that? Our text this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 26. I'm going to have it up on the board, and I've done something with the scripture this morning. I have personalized it. I personalize scripture all the time. For God so loved William Paul Brzezinski that he gave his one and only son. That's the way I read the scripture because it is written to me as a love book. So we need to do that. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to read our text in this personalized version first. So... Uh, as you see it up on the board, it's coming. Maybe not. Oh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. This is so wonderful. I, I want us to read this in unison. We're all going to read this together, okay? You keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you. 
because I trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Now we're going to do that again because it's powerful. It really is powerful. Let's do it again. Ready? You keep me in perfect peace when my mind is stayed on you because I trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You may be seated. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the speaking of his word. I want to share with you three statements that reflect three truths which can literally transform your life from panic to peace. Transform you from living in fear to begin to live by faith. So when you feel that panic, when you feel worry in your soul, I want you to do these three things. Here's number one, turn off CNN and, oh no, that's not it. Um, keep your eyes on Jesus, that's what it is. The first thing we need to do is keep our eyes on Jesus. He says here in our text that you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That, that just simply means that God keeps, gives us peace when we focus on him. We have to focus on Jesus. Have you ever tried to drive a car while looking off somewhere else? See, if my wife tells me, oh, look at those pretty deer all out in the field. We're going to be out there in that field with them deer. That's what I, I just drive where I'm looking. I have, I have a cousin. He scares the living daylights out of me. He, he, can, he can turn around and talk to the people in the back seat while he's driving. Fearful thing to do, ride with him. But the same thing is true in life. God's word tells us in our text that we are to keep our eye on him. Keep our mind focused on him. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. What are your eyes fixed on this morning? Most of us have our eyes fixed on the world. And it's hard for us to have our eyes on the world and not follow the world. You see, Christian, many times in life, we set our focus on the things of the world and they lead us into hurtful, frightening situations. Just like my driving will lead us into a ditch if I don't keep my eyes on the road. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And the best way, I'm going to give you two ways, but the best way to keep your eyes on Jesus is to keep your eyes in the Word of God. This is it right here. Keep your eyes on Him. This is where we learn about Him, about His ways and His guiding us. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So we need to open His Word. We need to read His Word. We need to meditate upon His Word. We need to memorize His Word. That's why the psalmist said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. How do we do that? We memorize it so that when the worry starts coming, say, I remember what the word of God says, and I really don't have to worry. I remember how big God is, so I really don't have to fret. For many Christians, this right here is our weakest area. We get up on Sunday morning and we're starting to get ready for church and then we're looking all over the house for the Bible because we forgot where we left it last Sunday afternoon when we got home. 
That's too true for some of us, amen? We need to be in the word of God daily. Ask yourself this question. I don't want anybody to answer it out loud, but answer this in your own heart. How many times a week do you eat? Once, once a week. See, nobody's raising their hand for that. We don't eat once a week, do we? We eat twice, three times, four or five times a day. You know what the Bible is? This is spiritual food here, beloved. This is your, your milk, your bread, your meat. This feeds you spiritually. We need to be in the word of God. That's how we keep our eyes on Jesus. And when we do that, he will give us his perfect peace. And then in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we're encouraged to not be anxious, not to worry, not to fret about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's telling us the second way to keep our focus on him is by prayer, having a fellowship with him, speaking to him, just going to him and having a conversation with God. And in verse 7 is the promise. If you do that, he says, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there's two ways for you to keep your focus on him. Be in his word daily and also be in prayer. So the first thing is keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, our text tells us we need to trust in the Lord. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. We're going to go just a little bit from there to Isaiah chapter 37, a wonderful illustration of how to trust in the Lord. Now, last week... In our message, I, I referred to this in passing, and, and really this is what got me started on doing this message today. Uh, I wanted to, to elaborate on, on this passage of scripture in uh, Isaiah chapter 37. This is the 7th century BC. Hezekiah is the king of Judah, and he has a panic situation. The most powerful king in the world of the most powerful kingdom has sent him a letter, Sennacherib has sent him a letter, and he says, I want you to surrender, and if you surrender, we'll make slaves of you, and uh, just don't give us any, any trouble. Well, that would mean the end of families for Israel. It would mean the end of properties. It would mean the end of freedom to worship God. It would be Satan's way of stopping us from getting his word because it was through Israel we get his word. It'd be stopping the, the Messiah because we get the Messiah through Israel. So Sennacherib sends a letter and uh, he, he says in this letter, um, well, let me just read it to you, verse 11. Um, wait, wait for it. He says, behold, you have heard what the king of Assyria's have done to all the lands, devoting them to destruction, and shall you be delivered? I didn't get the last word. So here's this letter from Sennacherib. He goes, you've heard of what I've done, haven't you? Of course you have. Everybody has heard what I have done. I've gone to every other country around you, and I have absolutely destroyed them, and do you think you're going to be delivered? 
You know, it's easy to be intimidated by powerful and rich people. We don't have to be, but it happens. It's easy to forget whose we are and who God is when we see a person and they're in our face and they hold a position of authority. Do you know nothing can happen to you outside the will of God without the permission of God? If you're a child of God. And then on top of everything else, this letter to Hezekiah has a deadline for them to surrender or else. Verse 3, back at the beginning. And they said to him, thus says Hezekiah. Now this isn't that. This, this is his response to this letter. He sends, he sends a letter to Isaiah. He says, this is a day of distress. A day of rebuke and a day of disgrace. So he, he gets this letter from, from Sennacherib, and he says to the man of God, the prophet, he said, it's time to panic. We are in trouble. But what he said isn't, doesn't impress me as much as what he did. What Hezekiah does with this letter, go back to verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers, and he read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord. Good. He got the letter, and where did he go? He came to church. He said, and, and he spread it before the Lord. He came to the altar, and he spread that letter out before the Lord. Verse 15, and Hezekiah prayed to God. What are you going to do when you're in trouble, when you're stressed? You want to pray. Verse 16, here's his prayer. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned upon the cherubim above the cherubim you are the god you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth you have made the heavens and the earth the other king sennacherib he was bragging about how great he was and how powerful he was <laughs> I, uh, the, uh, hezekiah was remembering how big and how great god is and you're nothing compared to him verse 17 he says, incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. So he comes to church. He lays it out before God. He says, God, here's the problem. Now I want you to take care of it. Hezekiah remembered that his God was the only true and living God. He remembered that God's armies were not an army of mere soldiers of men. They were angels. Well, what do you think God was going to do with all this? I believe that God will hold him up, right? Go to verse 33. Verse 33. Therefore, thus saith the Lord. Now God's answering the prayer. Thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this. He's not coming in here. Uh-uh. No, he's not coming in here. He's not even going to shoot an arrow. He's not even going to get close enough to shoot an arrow over the wall. He's not going to come up here with a shield. He's not going to cast a siege mount against it. By the way, I love this verse 34. By the way that he came, the same way he's going back. And he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out that night and struck down 185,000 in the camp of Assyria. And when the people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Wow. 
Does God take care of your problems? He certainly can, and he will. Listen, Christian, just remember, Hezekiah's God is the same God you serve. And he said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means? When you pray, God is listening to you. And God is able to do great and mighty things. When you're tempted to panic, stop and pray. And after you pray, stop and ponder who God is. Remember how big God is. He is bigger than your problem. And then just start praising him for what he's done. Our original text in Isaiah gives three vital things about God. It says that he's trustworthy. It says that he's omniscient, all-knowing. And it says that he's omnipotent. He's, he's all-powerful. That is why perfect peace is given to those whose mind is stayed on God. This principle means that a believer must know the word of God to have peace. How else are we going to have it without knowing his word? Psalm 9 verse 10 says that they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. So believer, we live in a day of, of worry. We live in a day of panic. I agree with that. But we don't have to live in the worry or panic. When you feel panic coming on, keep your eyes on Jesus. Secondly, just trust in God because this world is not falling apart. It's just falling into place. It, God's got it all planned out. From, he knew the end from the beginning, so it's not a problem for him. And then the last thing I want you to see this morning, find your strength in the Lord. Now, I have another great illustration. We sang about that in, in our, one of our songs. Uh, it's Daniel chapter 3. This is... a. Uh, now, long into the captivity that Israel had in, in Babylon, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have been taken in to, into the captivity. They, they've now become governors. They're workers. They, they have high positions. And the king, the king decided that he was going to build an altar to himself. He builds this big old statue, and he has some musicians playing. Everybody's supposed to bow and worship the idol. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they served the true and living God. They were not going to bend or bow. So here they are, victims of religious persecution. And the king hears that they didn't bend, they didn't bow. He's, they bring, he brings them to him. He gives them a second chance, says, listen, when the music plays, guys, just bow to, the, to worship the idol. And here's their courageous answer. You ready for this? Verse 16, Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach... Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Do you know what these servants of God are confessing? They're confessing God's omnipotence. God, you, God, our God is able to deliver us. They are confessing his omniscience. He knows everything. He says, they said, however, if he sovereignly chooses not to deliver us, we're going to just trust and obey. 
And do you remember what God says? If you trust, he said, I'll give you peace. They believed in the true and living God, and they had peace in this matter. And beloved, God did not deliver these men from the fiery furnace, but he protected them in the fiery furnace. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery, burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we throw three guys bound, tied up, down into the fire? And he answered and said, True, king. Verse 25, he answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth guy is like a son of the gods. Sometimes God does not remove the source of panic in your life. But instead, he gives you peace in the midst of the storm. Because he will be with you. If you look at verse 25, when, when the king looked down into the fiery furnace, he saw four men. We threw three, we got four. The fourth one looks like the Son of God. Jesus was with these three men. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. See, we can go through a worrisome world today because we have Jesus with us. We can keep a smile on our face because we have the Lord on our side. We just need to remember what God tells us in his word. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. We need to remember the promise that he gave us in Jeremiah 3.33.3, Call unto me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have no knowledge of. I like what these three Hebrew men said to the king before they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They said, we have no need to answer you. You know what they're saying? They're saying, we have no fear. We have no worry. We have no stress. There's no panic in this situation. In other words, they had peace. We know whose we are. We know who our God is, and we know what he has promised. We know that we can call on him, and he will answer us. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon God in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Instead of panic, we're to be praising Whatever it is that Satan throws at you, that causes you to fear, that causes you to panic, find a promise in the word of God. Memorize that promise, repeat it to yourself, meditate upon it, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will be yours. Now, you may still be in the storm, you may still be in the trial, but you'll know and sense that the spirit of God is with you. Just remember who he is and remember whose you are. And remember how great is his promise. Are you under stress today? Are you full of worry? Do you have some big challenges coming up? Maybe you're at the brink of panic. 
If so, just remember these profound provisions that God has given us. And when you feel the panic starting, just remember them. You will never have peace as long as you're looking at yourself, your abilities, your strengths. You'll never have peace as long as you're looking at your problems, at your circumstances. We need to meditate on who God is. Remember what he has promised. And if you're a child of God today, if you're born again, you can have perfect peace. If you're not sure of your salvation, today you can leave this place knowing that you're a child of God. You, know that all the prom- you can know that all the promises in his word are yours to have. If you're here today and you're not sure, you have some questions about your salvation, we're going to have an invitation. We're going to invite you to come. Right after this prayer, we're going to stand, we're going to sing hymn of invitation, and we invite you to come. And I'll be here to greet you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your word has taught us about having peace. We have a a time of panic on our hands. We know that. We see it. There's things going on all around us. But we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death knowing that you're with us. We know that you're going to lead us to the green pastures, to the still waters. You're going to feed us and anoint us and use us in a great way. So God, I pray for the peace for this, your church. I pray for every individual here that they will keep their mind on you. Be in your word daily, praying daily so that they might have the peace that they need. And I pray it in Jesus' name for his sake and glory. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing this.